Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host and resident hooligans, Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney. Guys, how are we doing this afternoon? Fantastic. Just okay. Just okay, <laughs> yeah. From a Manchester United fan standpoint, just okay would be the peak of where we could probably be at this point, to be honest with you. But uh, we've got uh, international break weekend, so we've got some uh, Euro qualifiers and some of that to talk about and look forward to this weekend. But uh, we'll recap all of the uh, Match Week 4 action as well for you. But uh, before we get into it, guys, as always, got to give some love to our sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Instagram or Twitter at chalkokc. Uh, The weekend brunch setup is perfect for those mid-morning EPL kickoffs here in the States, and there's no better place to have a conversation about sports than watch the game. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. I'm going to be at Chalk Saturday morning, but it's going to be for the uh, OU Texas game. So I know, again, uh, international breaks, so no EPL action this week, but uh, it should still be a lot of fun. And uh, I I say that, shit, who knows, right? OU gets their butt kicked again. It probably won't be any fun at all, but different pod, different topic, and we'll we'll talk about that at a different time. But match week four, Clayton, I mean, I guess guess we have to start, uh, start with our Manchester United, right? Yeah. And where do we start? Spurs uh, decimate United six to one. Uh, the first what sixty seconds were nice, yeah. uh, give or uh, take. Yeah. Uh, uh, Martial wins the penalty uh, within thirty seconds. Bruno steps up, dispatches it, and then it's uh, Keystone cops uh, from that point forward in the back line. Shambolic, I think, was a word that I heard a lot regarding United's defending uh, in this one uh, Sunday morning. Uh, but an absolute shit show. Uh, no yeah. other way to put it. But uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Clayton. Again, from a United fan perspective, pretty pretty low moment uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, after the hop, skip, and jump that Bruno had, it was a hop, skip, and what the fuck was that? Uh, I mean, right now the team lacks – they just like kind of a, an identity, it sounds like. It looks like. I mean, there's no direct leadership out there. Harry Maguire I don't think is the leader that we thought he was at all. You know, whatever Ole is saying isn't resonating with the team at all. I mean, when he said it would take 45 games to get going, I think he was talking about how many games he has left with the team. Yeah, they're going to get going because somebody else is going to be getting them <laughs> yeah, going. I exactly. think maybe Mauricio Partitino. Yeah. We'll talk about that here a little bit later. Yeah. If if this continues, I mean, we're looking at a mid-table team. I mean, honestly. However, I don't think it'll be the case. We'll probably be fighting for a Europa League position at the end of the year and not in the top four for a Champions League spot. When you have 10 guys down and you're doing the stupid shit that you do, Eric Bai probably got should have got sent off too on that uh, studs yeah, he, on he, Harry he Kane. Stamped, stamped on, he uh, stamped Kane. on yeah, him. He did. He did. Yeah. And then it, just mental lapses, man. You know, obviously with Martial with the sending off, I mean, LaCelso kind of instigated it, but at the same time, you just, they're always going to catch your retaliation. Lamella. I think it was Lamella. Lamella, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. Lamella. Sorry. Anyways. Wrong twat. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lamella was the twat that uh, put, did that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then – when you do have 10 guys on the field, I mean, you have to defend. And then Paul Pogba is leaving Serge Aurier out there, like, just wide open. Probably, like, 10 yards by himself in the box and just scores another goal. And then he also had, I believe he had another assist as well, Serge Aurier. I mean, the left back, right back were both terrible. Juan Basaka, I can tell you from experience, 
if there's players just sitting around him, like their own players, and they're not making any runs, you know what that means? It means they don't have any confidence in him. Zero. That's why they don't tack down the right side either. And then we also have these other transfers that are coming in that might fill into that position, but we don't know. I'm just saying there's just a lack of, you know, confidence on whether it be from Juan Basaka or from the midfield. It's just it's just terrible at the moment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Barrett, your perspective from a Liverpool. Now, be kind because uh, your your team <laughs> your team didn't fare so well in the game after this either. But uh, uh, I mean, United were just terrible. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, as, as a Liverpool fan, I, I got to say I thoroughly enjoyed watching this one. But it was a lot uh, funnier during the match than it was after Liverpool and Villa started. Uh, I will say that. <laughs> um, you know, look, last week I picked Spurs to win. Um, you know, I think, I think my hot take there was that Kane and Son would be pretty good. I know that's a shocker uh, with Spurs that you're going to pick those two to be impactful. Uh, but they did. Uh, they each scored twice. They each had an assist. Um, and, you know, I will say that, that they started their onslaught prior to the sending off. So... Uh, I will give myself credit on that bold prediction that, that it did uh, come through. Yep, I, I agree. That uh, Marcial's getting sent off had nothing to do with the outcome of this game. It, it was over with even even before that, and it was probably going to get worse one way or the other. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was awful, right? The yep. the failure to clear that gave up the initial Spurs goal that tied it back up. What a, two, a minute later, two minutes later. Yep. I mean that that's stuff that you see in little league. Uh, you know, between uh, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw trying to clear that ball, uh, it was it was so embarrassing. I mean, it was it was just awful. And then you know, you, you mentioned uh, Pogba uh, in the second half, Clayton. You know, I, I, obviously they they switched some tactics and moved some things around. Look like Pogba got got moved out wide yeah. uh, on the left. In the give it, yeah, the give a shit meter was just so low at the point that it was four one five one whatever it was that uh, um, he was just getting outrun down the uh, the right flank, be Tottenham's right flank, I guess, and uh, um, he's he was being played out of position. But even then, you're a professional, right? Put right. in a shift, um, you know, <laughs> salvage something, I guess. Uh, but uh, you, you could tell that they had given up, and that's not not something that you've said a whole lot about about Manchester United clubs in the past. I mean, say what you will. You know, under Sir Alex, they were always a threat. They never gave up, and and that's that's something that seems to have been missing for the last few years now. And we'll talk about the change in management and kind of their right. failure uh, to uh, uh, perhaps uh, hit hit on some of the uh, transfer targets. And we'll we'll talk about uh, deadline day that occurred earlier this week on Monday. Uh, but yeah, uh, shambles. I, I think is the only way they, they should be in last place yep. right now, guys. I mean, okay. they they lucked out to get three points against Brighton a couple weeks ago, uh, but their goal differential. Had they not won that game, and again, they didn't deserve to win that game, they would be in dead last right now. That's yeah. where they belong at the at the table at this international break. Well, I've well, been saying this the whole time, and Paul Pogba, when he wants to play defense and he wants to be committed to the team, he, you know, he's one of the best players out there. But, like, right now he's just not showing it. And then, you know, move aside and give Van de Beek a chance. I know he, he's getting limited minutes, and he's done some good things here and there, but he hasn't had – Time to get into the game, get the rhythm, you know, you know, link up plays and passes with, you know, Martial or Rashford or whoever. So, I mean, I, Pogba just – he's just got to be benched for a while to, you know, you know, as a as a boo-boo to him. So, put in Van de Beek. I've been saying that for a while. You know, you know, I will say this in United's defense, though. I mean, obviously you can't slap somebody in the face and, ex- and expect to stay on the pitch, but – Eric Lamella is a little bitch. Um, I mean, I slap my kids harder than that when they get a little bit mouthy and they don't roll around on the ground crying. So 
you got to call Lamella out on that one a little bit. Not for getting slapped, uh, but just the way he reacted. It's complete epitome of why Americans don't want to watch European soccer. Yeah, and, and he's had that petulant behavior in the past, and uh, uh, he's been kind of known for that. But even then, I mean, Martial, you've got to be prepared for it, man. You can't. And there was a, some reports that came out in the news this week that talked about an on-field bust-up between Harry Maguire and Marcus Rashford about whether it should have been a, a violent conduct or not. But I, I think it was merely those two kind of explaining to each other, or at least Maguire explaining what the ref told him. And so I, I think that's been blown out of proportion, which uh, the, the English uh, tabloids are known to do, especially whenever it's centers around Manchester United, given that they are, uh, they're a soap opera, right? And um, nothing, nothing has changed on that. But, you know, well, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. Clayton, you, you mentioned about trying to get Van de Beek on the field. And, you know, there, there has to be a change in tactics, a change in formation or something to, to allow United to get their best players on the field, whether that's to go to a midfield diamond or to switch to a 4-3-3 and, and convince Pogba to play at the pivot, right? He covers so much ground. And, and I know he's a player that always wants to get forward, and we're just sitting here talking about how he didn't put in a defensive shift. So how are you going to play him um, in that role that, that a Nemanja Matic or uh, a Scotty McTominay would usually fill? But – um, you have to find a way to get Pogba, Bruno, and Van de Beek all on the field at the same time. And, again, whether that's switching to a midfield diamond, um, you know, it takes away the right winger, right? So, I mean, we, we've talked about there's a hole. That's been a hole for five years now. Uh, you know, we, we've tried to put Juan Mata out there, bless his heart, and it just it just hasn't worked, right? So, uh, they, they've got to change tactics, and maybe this international break, if nothing else, will give them time. Uh, to implement something new and uh, give Ole a chance to go back to the drawing board. But, yeah. If they show up next Saturday against Newcastle and they're in the same four two three one and it's the same starting lineup that it has been, Ole needs to be fired on the spot. I mean, they exactly. they have to change. It's not working, right? That's the de- definition of insanity. We've heard it all uh, uh, so many times. Is that what you're doing is not working? So change things. And right. uh, so I, I would anticipate there being big changes uh, over the break uh, for that game uh, uh, next week. Uh, whenever we return to EPL action, but Barrett, we got to move on to your team, man. So again, the <laughs> I guess the the only thing that didn't make it a completely awful weekend uh, from my perspective is that your Liverpool, you know, United shipped six goals to Tottenham. Liverpool shipped seven goals uh, to Aston Villa. How the hell did this happen, Barrett? So, I mean, you you picked it. You said that hey, look, this kind of has the feel of a trap game here. Maybe they drop points, but no one saw this coming, man. Yes, it was a, a trap game. You know, coming off of wins against Arsenal and Chelsea, then playing Arsenal midweek in the Carabao Cup, then going to international break with your cross Stanley Park rivals Everton coming up on the backside of that break, who just happened to be sitting top of the table with 12 points. Then you find out Tiago's got COVID, and then Mane's got COVID, and then we find out on Saturday that uh, Allison is injured and he won't be playing for about a month. So just all of these things put together, um, it was definitely an opportunity to drop points. And look, let's take nothing away from Villa. Villa are pretty good. They are a solid team. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, they're not you know top four good. I don't I don't want to you know try to stretch the truth here, but but they are top half of the table good. You know, I picked up uh, Ollie Watkins in our fantasy league a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, I didn't have the balls to play him this week. But, uh, <laughs> Just a hat trick, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you look at the goals, right? Um, seven of them. The first one, Adrian just gives the ball away. Just a complete blunder. Completely deserved to concede in that moment, all on Adrian's shoulders. Out of the remaining six, uh, three of them were a direct result of that high line. Uh, you know, the defensive line playing up near midfield, Ollie Watkins uh, and others get behind the line uh, and then just have, you know, one man to beat or, you know, one-on-one with a keeper. 
And then the other three goals were just wicked deflections, yeah. taking shots from outside the box, you know, getting a foot in there, taking it off a shoulder, and they just happened to loop into the corner. You know, seven goals, maybe we didn't deserve to concede seven, but, man, Villa played good. Liverpool were not on their game. And a lot of people are going to blame that high line, but the high line's nothing new, right? They've been doing that for the last, you know, three years, um, and they've had, frankly, great results with the Champions League and a Premier League title uh, to show for it. So when you look at that, when I look at that game, what I see is not a failure in tactics with the high line, but it was a failure with the front three and the midfield and closing people down, giving them time to set up and knock those long balls over the top uh, to, to, to hit those balls with the right timing so as not to have an offsides penalty or an offsides call. The front three and the uh, midfield three were completely uh, lazy. Nabi Keita, maybe the worst buy Liverpool's had uh, under Jurgen Klopp. So uh, he just does, he wasn't closing down. He wasn't uh, pressuring the ball. And, you know, hopefully uh, after the break, we'll have the captain back in the midfield with Henderson. And uh, he demands better than that from the guys on the field. Um, so hopefully uh, this will be more of a one-off than a, than a systemic problem. Yeah, and you mentioned that high line, Barrett. I mean, that, that's been a staple of Jurgen Klopp's system uh, ever, ever since he was at Dortmund, right? So the pressing system, uh, kind of that blitzkrieg, whatever you want to call it, right? And, and that's just part of the uh, um, his philosophy. And so, you know, you can't, you don't, you don't. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And you can't. It's hard to argue with the results over the last couple of years yep. uh, from a Liverpool per perspective. There and yeah, just caught flat-footed, right? So again, you you called it. You you said it was a trap game, and, and you you expected them uh, to uh, to drop points. So kudos to you for kind of sniffing that out. But uh, uh, Clayton, your thoughts on it, man? So again. Uh, maybe the only only thing that uh, salvaged the, uh, the the entire weekend from a United fan perspective, right? A little little Schadenfreude uh, on both sides of the uh, the coin here. Uh, the early game for uh, uh, United and Spurs, and then obviously the late game uh, with Liverpool there. But uh, your thoughts on this one? Oh yeah, I mean, like you said, Barrett. I mean, I, I do want to give you kudos for calling this a trap game for sure. To be honest, I don't think anyone's going to predict that scoreline, right? <laughs> no, I think my prediction was a yeah, one-one yeah, yeah. draw. Yeah, the no predictor, way, yeah. your predictor game was yeah. uh, was lost early on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Liverpool they just didn't show up to play. Um, you know, and you got to give credit to Aston Villa for you know putting away the chances that they did get. Right, so I mean, they 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 kind of pressed on Liverpool a little bit, and you know, which they won the midfield battle and that's what allowed a, a lot of their goals to come through. I mean, I thought uh, Ross Barkley played excellent too, along with um, Ollie Watkins and of course, Jack Grealish too. But yeah, simple as that. Liverpool just didn't come ready to play. I mean, they have enough talent to beat this team like as it is right now, even with the people that were out. But at the same time, you just can't overlook your opponent. Barrett, you, you mentioned uh, the uh, Derby game or Derby game coming up here, the rivals across town, Everton, as we come into the international break here, four games in, they're, they're top of the table. They're four for four, all 12 points. Uh, they, they beat up on Brighton this, uh, this past weekend, four to two, uh, and, and improved that perfect record. But, you know, the ne next thing that we have on the, uh, you know, the agenda here is, is how high can they finish, man? I mean, again, they've looked so good um, that I think it's been super surprising. You know, we've talked about it on the last couple of pods at how well that midfield has gelled because they're all new new arrivals, right? So it's not not as if those guys have gelled and they've been playing together for the last two years. They've been playing together for the last month. Yep. Um, so so shocking in that sense uh, that uh, Ancelotti, you know, he looks like a genius right now. Th those all look like great great buys, uh, great fits. But uh, your your thoughts on on the Blues here and how how long can they keep this going, man? Is this for real? 
Well, uh, you know, first I want to, you mentioned that, uh, you know, trio in the midfield and how, how well they've gelled and, and how great they're playing, you know, just right out of the gate. You think uh, Ole Gunnar Skullshars noticed that? They, they don't need four to five games to, to get in a rhythm. Anyways, uh, I'll take a break from my uh, Man U shots here. Uh, look, well, there's, ev- there's plenty to go around. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to spend the whole hour on, on bashing yeah. United. <laughs> Look, Everton uh, so far certainly look like a top four side, um, especially given what uh, Chelsea and Man U have done so far. Not you know bashing on Chelsea too hard, but look, with all the money they spent, we we kind of maybe expected a little bit too much out of the gate. But uh, I digress. That's a topic for later. You know how high can Everton go? I could see them anywhere between three and six at this point. Um, at the end of the season, I just don't think they have the squad depth to challenge for top two. But that quality in that first eleven is clearly evident. But you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Yes, they've got twelve out of twelve points so far. However, look at let's look at who they've played. They've beaten West Brom, uh, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. Who A are murderers all, row there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all just bad teams. Last year, Everton was not good, but we still would have picked them to beat those teams. That's um, fair. And then the, the the opening weekend, they beat Tottenham, um, which look that's a good win. I'm not going to take that away from them, but you know the first three halves of football that Tottenham played, they looked horrible. Uh, maybe some of that's due to how Everton played and held them back in that first game. But uh, even the second week, you know, they played a, an absolutely terrible first half, but dominated the second. And since that, uh, you know, dominating second half, they've looked pretty good. So, you know, th- they look really good. And I think they're going to Europe next year, but I'm not ready to crown them champs yet. Fair enough. Um, Clayton, your, your thoughts on Everton. I mean, it must be nice to support a club who's overachieving right now, right? So I don't, I don't, we, you and I cannot relate to that, uh, certainly. But, uh, you know, again, kind of surprising that they've been this good this early, right? Right. I mean, I think they can be a top three team. Um, like you said, Barry, I think that squad depth is, um, you know, kind of an issue. But I mean, if that trio in the midfield can stay healthy, and if they, you know, continue to have that defensive organization, um, I mean, that's kind of their keys to success to, you know, getting into the top three, right? You know, I thought Hamas Rodriguez obviously did a good job of finding himself in good positions, whether starting the counterattack from a defensive turnover or finishing one off, uh, both at the back post there. I mean, Brighton just kept him wide open back there each time. Didn't cover him at all, but... Um, they look good. Um, Calvin Lewin, excellent striker. He's, I mean, we just saw today on the, yeah, on took the it, England. Took it to yeah. the international break he's, as well, yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you want. He's an aerial threat. He can hold up play. He's physical, fast. I mean, everything you want out of a striker. Um, but, yeah, staying healthy is probably the number one key for Everton getting in that top three. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing you have to say about Calvert-Lewin, his hot start, is that he's getting great service oh, too, yeah. right? So you yeah. think about those fullbacks for Everton, you know, coming down the wings there, you know, Digne on the left and then uh, Seamus Coleman on the right. I mean, you know, the fullbacks have played really, really well. And you think about teams that have had a lot of success here recently, you know, Liverpool, uh, obviously you think about uh, Robertson and uh, Trent, Alex- Trent Alexander-Arnold there, uh, you know, kind of serving that, that same role. Uh, and, and maybe Ancelotti taking a little bit out of the playbook there from uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp. But, uh, yeah, they've, they've looked really good. So it, it's going to be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about some of our surprises and, uh, and, and maybe some tweaks to the preseason projections uh, after, you know, essentially we're 10% through the season, right? So, again, Barrett, you said it. Let's not overreact, right? There's another uh, 34 games to play. Um, and so there are a lot, a lot of football left to be played on, on that front. But they've looked really good thus far. Well, we talked a little bit about Chelsea. 
right? They bounce back after kind of a shocking result against West Brom last week, right? They fall down uh, behind 3-0. They come back and, uh, and get a draw at the end, get 3-3, and uh, get a point out of it. But uh, they bounce back this weekend and beat up on Crystal Palace 4-0 there. Uh, looked pretty good. Uh, on that front, but any any thoughts on Chelsea again? The kind of a heckle and jive, or <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde uh, uh, matchup there, uh, or, or kind of a schizo team for sure. But uh, your thoughts on Chelsea, Barrett? For me, this game played out, played out exactly as expected. Uh, Chelsea dominated possession and shot statistics with Palace sitting back, absorbing that pressure, looking to capitalize uh, on the you know counterattack and hoping for some defensive errors by Chelsea. Those errors didn't materialize, and Chelsea dominates. You know, Ben Chilwell, uh, this is his first Premier League start for Chelsea. He was fantastic. Um, yeah, got a goal, right? Yeah, yeah had a goal yeah. and an assist. You know, and Chelsea are still waiting on uh, Ziyech uh, to play, and Pulisic hasn't played yet this year, uh, who was their best player uh, for the second half of the season. So, uh, you know, potentially they – they're starting to gel, it looks like, and they could potentially create some fireworks going forward. Yeah, I can't we can't wait from an American standpoint. Right. You, you want to see Christian back in the lineup, right? And so he's had that hamstring, kind of lingered a little bit. But, uh, you know, obviously the USA is not playing during this international break. Uh, I think all of CONCACAF is off, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, an extra, you know, 10 days, 14 days there to rest that hammy, and you would expect him to be back uh, once Chelsea comes back uh, after next week uh, and, uh, and he returns to EPL play. But, yeah, I mean, they're – you know, they get that full lineup in. I mean, they they might be uh, 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 really a side that can kind of challenge. Um, you know, again, we I think we expect them to finish in the top four with all the money that they spent. But can they uh, eke their way into that top two argument? Uh, that remains to be seen. But um, your your thoughts on on that big win for Chelsea? Good good bounce back win, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, Bear. You know, they as an overall game, they did you know much better. Um, you know, better job of defending. And it was kind of funny to see, you know, two defenders score and then an, also an assist from a defender. So that was pretty funny. Um, you know, three players that stood out to me were Hudson Adoy. His first EPL start since February. Uh, Tommy Abraham, he looked sharp. Uh, Kai Havertz had a better game. You know, they were creating chances and winning penalties. Tommy Abraham could be their number one striker if he, if he just stays consistent. However, I know they have, you know, the other pieces that are on the board that still haven't played, and he might get some time here and there. But if he can stay consistent, he might be the number one guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea was just too much for Crystal Palace at the end. Yep, um, I, I agree. So, and again, we'll be interested to see what what Abraham can do, right? You talk about, you know, Calvert-Lewin having the, all the physical tools, right? You know, big, big kid, fast, athletic. Uh, if he can put it together on a weekly basis, then, yeah, he's got uh, sky's the limit for that kid. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens, but you know, moving down other other games of note, guys. So so Wolves, uh, they uh, they nip Fulham one nil, and they get back off the Schneid, if you will. They'd had a couple of disappointing results in the uh, the past two weeks, and so uh, they're back in the good there again. Fulham still winless, and so uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But uh, Arsenal over Sheffield, uh, Barrett, you nailed this one uh, spot on two one uh, to the Gooners there uh, over Sheffield, uh, and then Leeds and City. You know, my goodness, a, a game that was fun to watch yeah. and up and down and back and forth, but it somehow finishes 1-1 there. But, uh, uh, Barrett, your, your thoughts on some of these other big games uh, or notable score lines, I should say, from match week four? I'll, I'll start with the with Wolves, and I'm, I'm a little worried about Wolves. Yeah, they, they beat Fulham 1-0. Look, you got to beat Fulham by more than that if you're uh, hoping to get into the top six. The only other team they've beaten is Sheffield. Um, so, Def, you know, beating the the horrible teams, but uh, not doing much otherwise. So, well, that, that's one to keep a keep an eye on. We'll see if they can uh, kind of get their mojo back going forward. Arsenal, yeah, they got the win. 
didn't look phenomenal. They just kind of looked, you know, kind of like Arsenal have for the last five years, just good, but not great. You know, maybe hope to squeak into that number four spot. Otherwise happy to go to Europa league again. And then uh city and uh, Leeds, man, we keep saying it every week, but Leeds is just must-see TV. Um, every week, you want to watch the Leeds game. You know, clear your schedule. If, uh, if it's late in the afternoon, uh, get a second TV so you can watch American football at the same time if you have to, but watch Leeds United play. Yeah, they yeah. are a lot of fun. Again, I don't know how that game finished 1-1. That game could have been 4-4 uh, if, you, if you watched it and saw all the uh, uh, near near misses in that one. But uh, uh, your thoughts from any other score lines from match week four, Clayton? Yeah, I mean, the Wolves-Fulham game, I mean, obviously – Wolves, they came out to play, yes. You know, their defense was a little bit shaky at times. Um, but, I mean, they should have never kept Fulham in this game. I mean, Wolves should have finished off their chances a long time ago. Raul Jimenez, he should have had a goal. He was one-on-one with the keeper. Should have knocked it through him. The City and Leeds game, obviously, we just talked about that. But <laughs> there was zero midfield play. There was no defending at all. It was just end-to-end stuff. I mean, as far as a you know city perspective, they're really missing, and and it showed a clinical finisher up top. I mean, that's you know with uh, Sergio and Jesus. I mean, they didn't really have anyone that could really get up there and finish. I know one of our guys that we hate scored. Yeah, Raheem Sterling. Raheem right? Sterling. Yeah. He's so yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of twats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, I mean, they, they were just lacking that clinicalness up top, and it really showed during that game. I mean, they, both of them had really good chances. I mean, looking at the stats, I mean, it was pretty even as far as possession, completed passes, packing, passing accuracy, and fouls, which is kind of funny. You know, City did have more shots, but Leeds had more shots on goal. Yeah, uh, they had a better ratio. Well, we but, talked about you know, it with yeah. you know, Marcelo Bilsa, right? He's he's not going to sit back and defend against these these big clubs, right? Oh, I mean, no. they're they're going to go play football and they're going to attack, which which again makes for entertaining television, if nothing else, right? So, but uh, yeah. uh, your 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 thoughts on that, Barrett? Well, you know, it might surprise you guys. I love to bag on City probably more than I like to bag on United. I don't know um, about that, <laughs> but uh, you know what I take more from this game is uh, I was more impressed with Leeds than I was disappointed in City. I'm just really impressed with what they've done so far. Yeah, and, and again, they went out and made a, a deadline day signing as well, brought in uh, Rafina, uh, you know, who, who's kind of a, a, an experienced uh, guy up front to kind of help bolster their line a little bit. So we'll we'll see how uh, uh, Marcelo Bilsa kind of fits him into the rotation there. But uh, I think my guy, Rodrigo, I think, got the goal for, uh, for Leeds this weekend. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't start him in fantasy. So I say my guy, I got him on my fantasy team. So um, uh, stupid of me to leave him on the bench. But uh, that happens, right? But uh, – uh, you know, again, one one other score line before we kind of move ahead, guys, and to talk about news and transfer uh, markets. You know, that kind of stood out to me was uh, Leicester City gets thumped by West Ham three uh, nil. Again, Leicester we had talked about had kind of we didn't know if they were good or not, right? So they'd had a relatively easy schedule, uh, and they were top of the table heading into that game. And then, my goodness, uh, West Ham just put a thumping on them. So I think maybe we have our answer, right? I, I, I don't know about maybe an easy schedule. They did thump City. Well, that's three. true. That's so. right. Yeah, they had the big 5-2 win against City a, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I got, I, they beat up on West Brom, and uh, I can't remember who the other one was now. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they're 
again, kind of a surprising result there. But, uh, you know, West Ham, they seem to be kind of coming around, right? So they, they've had a couple of uh, surprising wins here over the last uh, couple of weeks. But uh, then, then um, they'll follow it up with a, a blowout against, you know, somebody that's in the relegation yeah, zone. Right. Yeah, they'll get beat by Fulham 3-0 <laughs> in the next game or something. You're, you're probably right. So uh, they're they're a little bit of a, uh, a schizo team as well. But uh, uh, what do you expect under David Moyes? <laughs> no. uh, but uh, let, let's, talk, let's talk transfer, guys. Uh, again, Monday was the deadline. So not – what I would say, you know, a deadline day that wasn't really full of a ton of drama. I mean, the biggest soap opera that was over, obviously over overarching from an EPL standpoint was whether or not uh, Manchester United could get a deal done for uh, Jaden Sancho with uh, Dortmund. Uh, the answer was a resounding no to uh, much of the uh, dismay of United fans, although United fans brought in four signings uh, on that final day, uh, uh, most notably uh, uh, Edison Cavani uh, on a kind of a free uh, transfer end. Uh, his contract with PSG had uh, had expired, and then uh, uh, Alex Tellez, the uh, the fullback, a left back from Porto there, was the those two biggins. Uh, big signings, and then a couple young kids uh, in Traore and um, um, Palistri, I believe, is the Uruguayan kid's name, uh, 18 years old. And so those are signings for the future. But you know, I tweeted about it. Um, I think on Saturday or Sunday that uh, you know United bringing in Cavani. I think it reeks of desperation. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't think he's the answer. You know, they brought in um, uh, Zlatan a couple years ago under Jose, and again, uh, you know. Is it selling shirts? I don't know. They're going to give him the number seven shirt, which kind of irks me a little bit as well, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, I kind of made the joke that uh, United also inquired uh, with uh, Alan Shearer and uh, Gary Lineker, but those guys prefer to stay retired. Uh, so it's like, what? I mean, this would have been a great signing for United five years ago, right? But exactly. uh, your, your your thoughts on this, we'll, we'll start with United here, uh, given that they were most active, but probably most active in a meaningless way to a certain degree, Clayton. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tellus, I think, might actually have more of an impact than, you know, the other two younger guys coming out of the gate, right? So I don't know if they switch around and put someone else at right back and have him be on his natural left. Uh, Maybe they put Luke Shaw over there, switch up some kind of tactics. But uh, for Cavani, he's going to – I don't know how they're going to incorporate him. He's going to be a cup guy. That's it. He's going to be a cup striker. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all he's going to do. He's just going to play about, midweek games, and that's it. You think about the fragile egos that are in that locker room right. already. I mean, how, what does Martial think about this, right? I mean, Martial has not been good to start the season, so maybe from a you know Ole standpoint or from a United standpoint, you're like, oh, well, piss on it. We don't give a shit what you think. Maybe right? he's but, just buying leadership. That's, yeah, I mean, that's is, it, it. is he going to take away minutes from Mason Greenwood? I mean, I don't, I don't want to see that. And so, yeah, I, it just. Again, a signing that that reeks of desperation. To, hey, let's bring in a name that people recognize, and you know we're not going to pay anything for it, but we're probably going to overpay him uh, on on a weekly wages basis. Grossly, we saw this with uh, uh, Alexi Sanchez a couple years ago as well, and that that screwed up the dynamic of the locker room. So, yeah, United a, a shit show uh, on uh, deadline day uh, as expected. Now, again, the Traore kid um, and uh, in Palestri, that those might be good signings yes. two or three years down the road. Yes. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But it seems like it's always. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Ole won't be the manager in yeah, two years. Yeah. It's, like, it's always about tomorrow, right? Well, these guys are going to be really good two or three years from now. Well, at some point, we want to be good two to three days from now, right? Let's let's focus on winning today. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Barrett, from a Liverpool perspective, I saw that Brewster went out, um, and so uh, that was kind of a deadline day. I think it was Sheffield, right, is who they end yep. up striking a deal with yep. there. And so that was the talks were about that for the last week or two, and so they got that deal done. But, again, Liverpool got their business done, you know, a couple weeks ago, bringing in Tiago. And so no deadline day drama for them. But did anything? 
anything else stand out to you uh, on deadline day from a EPL standpoint? Well, I mean, I think the the, the biggest one that, that caught the most headlines is uh, Arsenal going with uh, Partey from Atletico. From personal experience, last spring when uh, Liverpool faced Atletico in Champions League, that guy was a beast in the midfield. Um, he was closing down. He was tackling. He was tackling hard. Um, he was completing passes. He was uh, creating uh, chances on offense. He looked really good for Atletico. Uh, we'll see what kind of an impact he makes for Arsenal, and may- maybe that's the guy that gets them over the hump uh, to take them from being pretty good to really good. Yeah, and that's been a player that Arsenal's been linked with for a couple years now, and for whatever reason, they just couldn't get anything done. And so, you know, along those lines, uh, it, it, it broke that uh, uh, Guendouzi there for Arsenal, the uh, the young midfielder. He's going out on loan to uh, Eartha Berlin, I think, and so uh, probably a direct result of uh, them getting uh, the Partey deal done and over the uh, finish line there right before the deadline. But from an EPL standpoint, again, rel- relatively I would say quiet um, uh, outside of uh, some of the, uh, again, goofy signings that United made, but not a, not a ton of you know, headline or earth-shaking moves that kind of come in right before the deadline. No, I mean, you know, besides the United drama and, and Arsenal going after Partey, you know, the, the big deadline day action was Everton picking up Godfrey from Norwich uh, as a defender. I mean, he's, he's solid, but I, I mean, he's not game-changing. And then, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, Leeds picking up Rafinha, and uh, that, that one will be interesting. Um, see if his uh, results translate to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he fits in. Again, kind of an experienced hand there, a guy who's been there and done that. So we'll we'll see how he uh, slots into uh, uh, Bills' system there. But uh, international break, we've talked about it. And we'll highlight some of the bigger games from this weekend that kind of have something on the line, right? So the UEFA Nations League and some World Cup qualifiers and Euro uh, qualifier. So we'll, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But a game that literally just finished uh, a few minutes ago uh, as we were getting ready to record this pod was uh, a friendly, uh, if you want to call it that, between England and Wells. Uh, the, the English come out on top 3-0. Uh, Calvert-Lewin uh, gets, a, gets a goal in the first half, again, continuing his hot streak uh, from league play with Everton. And then uh, defender uh, Connor Cody uh, from Wolves, he gets a goal. And then Danny Ings has a, has a nice little uh, overhead kick uh, from a, a corner kick as well, kind of got deflected it around. And and he rounds it out and gets the third goal for uh, the English here. But, uh, you know, I, I don't – it's a friendly, right? So I, I don't know that I, I put a whole lot of stock into this uh, one way or the other. But, you know, anything about this game that uh, that kind of stands out from you guys on that perspective or or do we just move on? Clayton, I'll start with you. Yeah, it was good to see, you know, some guys get their debuts out there. Um, I thought Sokka, the 18-year-old out on left back, looked a little shaky. He was kind of – should I go forward? Should I stay back? I know they want, you know, some of their, you know, left backs, right backs attacking. He was kind of shaky back there. But, I mean, granted, his first cap, I mean, he's going to be a little bit nervous. So, not that big of a deal. I thought Jack Relish played pretty good. And along with uh, Calvert-Lewin, um, obviously, we talked about him earlier. I thought he had a great game, too. The only problem I saw with England was their ability to of playing it out of the back. They had a little bit of issues and sloppiness. Um some of the balls across the middle were getting picked off by Wales and they were getting opportunities. And that's the only reason, you know, Wales was getting any opportunities. But um, other than that, that's pretty much it. I mean, they handle Wales pretty easily, it looks like. Yeah, kind of an interesting uh, tactic. It looks like a 3-4-3 or something is what uh, uh, Gareth uh, Southgate went with on this one, Barrett. But your, your thoughts on England thumping up on Wales today? 
Well, I, I didn't get to watch it. How did Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden do? Yeah, those guys, a uh, little bit of a message sent, oh. huh? So you boys can stay at home if you're uh, going to get into the hanky-panky on the on the trip. So, yeah, a little, little bit of a message sent to those guys. No, no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, it is an interesting formation choice. But uh, when you look at the roster and look at who played and who stayed on the bench, um, obviously not a first team. They're, they're keeping those guys fresh uh, for the actual uh, Nations League games coming up. So, you know, probably not a whole lot to gain uh, for, from this one, but – uh, from a fantasy perspective, it's nice to see one of my defenders, Connor Cody, getting on the board. Hopefully he uh, he can uh, nick one or two goals in the Premier League this year. Yeah, and he's a steady player, man. Now, he doesn't get a- enough credit at Wolves. The guy plays every minute of every single uh, Premier League game, I think, and, you know, captain of that Wolves club and uh, just a solid, steady uh, uh, Premier League uh, center half that, again, uh, I don't think he gets the credit he, he deserves. So so good to see him get a cap and then uh, get a goal there as well. So so kudos to uh, Connor Cody on that front. But uh, we'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit here, guys. I mean, from the the twilight zone, uh, I guess, maybe of news stories from the uh, European football world, the English world in particular, uh, the Gunnersaurus at Arsenal, the, uh, one of the stupid mascots that uh, are down on the sideline. The, the news broke earlier this week that uh, uh, Arsenal, you know, they've, they've had a lot of layoffs and a lot of cutbacks uh, due to COVID and some other budget issues and, and you know, Kroenke being a, a tightwad uh, to begin with. But they, they were going to essentially fire the mascot and cut it back to, to help cut costs. And then uh, uh, yesterday the news broke that uh, Mesut Ozil, had come out and said, like, well, I'll donate part of my salary or I'll essentially pay the guy's salary uh, so that the mascot can stay on the sidelines for uh, uh, Arsenal games, home games there at the uh, Emirates, kind of continuing to move forward. But, again, 2020 uh, does, <laughs> continues to uh, to surprise us. But what the hell are we supposed to do with this headline, Barrett? What, what is this? Well, I mean, look, they can afford 77 million pounds for Pepe's six goals last year, uh, then, then go out and splash 45 million for Thomas Partey and 23 million for Gabriel, but they can't afford to pay a dude to dress up like Barney. Yeah, the, um, the optics just don't look good, right? I mean, look, earlier in the pandemic, it, it kind of got leaked out that uh, Liverpool was looking at using some uh, government funds uh, to kind of furlough some people, but pay them through a, a government program, uh, you know, a relief bill or whatever that was passed. And, you know, it got leaked out and there was just outrage, right? Like, yep. you guys make all this money, you pay all these players this much, and and you're going to take government funds to pay your players. And they, they were basically shamed, you know, out of accepting those government funds. So, you know, where's the outrage for Barney? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine Fred the Red being on the uh, the the chopping block at Manchester United? God forbid, right, Clayton? I mean, what, what the hell's going on here? Well, mascots in professional sports, I think, need to be done away with, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're cool for the kids and all that jazz, but, I mean, from a fan perspective, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> like, what you said earlier was Metsud Ozil. This is the only thing that he's going to do as far as a contribution to <laughs> Arsenal this year. That's it. I mean, he's paying his wages. He's grossly overpaid. So, yeah. I mean... Awfully kind like, of him, to, yeah, his 600000 win, uh, win some fans week, back, right? I guess. Yeah. You can yeah. do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he hadn't contributed much on, on the field. And so, uh, I, I guess, uh, good good for him, right? So, uh, who, whoever whoever the guy or the gal is in that mascot uh, costume each and every weekend, uh, maybe they get to continue to uh, cash a check uh, <laughs> on that front. But, Shit, yeah. I'll try out. Yeah, kind of, kind of a funny story. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, one, one thing we haven't mentioned here is, uh, maybe after uh, Oz- Mesut Ozil pays this guy's salary, Ozil may actually have a a, a fan on his side at Arsenal. Ooh. Yeah, um, I, that is fair, man. He he his tenure there 
started off so so bright and man it soured really really kind of reminds you of like a Gareth Bell at Real Madrid right so uh, that the fans turned on them the, the club the, the manager turned on them and just seems like uh, uh, just a matter of time before they can try to get rid of him but again who's going to take those wages right so they they signed him to a stupid contract a couple of years ago and and finding someone to uh, to to offload those wages onto going to be a challenge, but uh, hey, it, that's part of the business. Um, but, you know, looking ahead, guys, to some international break games, and I've got a couple of them on the board here that we've highlighted and that we may just talk briefly about. Again, you, you try to find some games that have a little bit of juice to them, a little bit of meaning, some friendlies here uh, early in the week, and then we get to a, a Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe into next Tuesday, Wednesday, you get some games that have a little bit of heft to it. But, um, you know, to our friends in South America, right, Conmebol, we got some World Cup qualifiers, and, and one of the games that kind of stood out, uh, that of uh, Uruguay and Chile, uh, right, and so that one that could be a fun matchup there. You know, kind of kind of something that you see uh, uh, from time to time in the uh, the Copa uh, finals down there. Uh, you know, obviously you throw in Brazil and Argentina as well. But uh, two of the better teams uh, on the South American con- continent. Uh, but any any thoughts on on this one at all, guys, uh, with regards to uh, Uruguay and Chile? Um, I mean, they're not going to have everyone that they need for these games. That's the only problem. It, it might, I mean, it looks juicy on paper as far as, you know, the two team names, but they're not going to have, you know, their World Cup starters out there or their veterans. I mean, they'll have a couple of them, but not, you know, the full team that they want to play with. You know, there's going to be people out. Um, the only cool thing is that, you know, the youngsters get a chance, and, and it's in a big matchup. Um, I do have a stat here I did find. Um, Uruguay have never lost at home to Chile in a World Cup qualifying, and that's seven wins and one draw dating back to 2007. Wow, that's a good stat. Yeah. Uh, deep, deep dive there. Uh, you can, can you top that, Barrett? Um, I think uh, – no, I cannot. Um, <laughs> look, uh, World Cup qualifying is going to be a, a crapshoot for a lot of these federations. Uh, if you look at the South American teams, uh, go back and look at the last time Uruguay or Chile had a uh, match with a national team. I think one of them was last October. The other was last November. It's We're coming up on a year without those guys playing a game together. Then, you you, you know, you factor in travel restrictions and, and COVID uh, testing and clubs holding players back. You know, if there's ever going to be a World Cup cycle where something just absolutely crazy happened and some, you know, minnow qualifies, this is going to be the year. Look, if you want me to pick this game, I'll, I'll pick Chile uh, with about a 51% level of confidence. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Uh, but one thing I noticed with the Bowl fixtures, you look at the opening fixtures, there's 10 teams in qualifying. The other four matchups, you've got the Sharks playing the Minnows. Yep, um, yep. So this really is the only interesting game uh, in this first round. Yeah, I, I, I struggled to find one that uh, was worthy of, of mention in this but due to that exact reason, but you're exactly right. So this is the uh, uh, only one down there in South America that's probably uh, worth watching this weekend. But uh, uh, coming back to the European continent, uh, we got some UEFA Nations League games on Saturday. A couple of them that are, are, are decent matchups here, uh, teams that are usually in the World Cup, uh, kind of in that next tier down. I think this would be Group B, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, two teams that maybe we don't expect uh, always to be in Group B, uh, that of Spain and Germany. But Spain take on the Swiss, uh, which if we think back, you know, that's they, those teams have seemed to have always been paired up in the group stage of the last couple World Cups, and the Swiss have always given them problems. And then Ukraine uh, hosting Germany uh, in, the, uh, in the other game uh, of note on Saturday. But um, any thoughts on the, these games, Clayton? Spain against Switzerland, Ukraine against Germany? For Spain, I guess they had that friendly um, with – Portugal, I think it was yesterday or Tuesday. Oh, it was Wednesday. Okay. I mean, they dominated possession. Um, they just didn't have any, you know, quality in the final third as far as, you know, taking their opportunity. Um, I mean, if they can, you know, solidify that front 
and, you know, continue to have possession. I think all the Swiss can do is sit back and defend. Um, I didn't see anything that jumped off to me as far as this matchup. Um, the only thing they can do is just hold on and try to get a point out of this game in Spain. Yeah, they've always been well-organized and hard to break down, but uh, any any thoughts on these two matchups Saturday, Barrett? Um, <clears throat> you know, g- give me Spain for the win. Uh, again, with, with everything going on in the world, um, these international matches are going to be hard to predict, to, uh, predict, but I think Spain, I mean, they just have more talent, so they should come out on top, even if they are, you know, missing a player or two and that'll give them a nice, uh, cushion, um, in group four there, if they can uh, pull that win off. Then you got, uh, Ukraine and Germany, man, Germany, the opening two fixtures, they got two draws. They, they really need a result here. Um, and Ukraine is, again, that's one of those teams that can sneak up and bite you. So Germany really needs to come to play on this one. And, uh, they, this is about as uh, might be a little bit early for a must win, but man, it it very well could be. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they they need to win this uh, this game. They they can't uh, can't afford to mess around uh, for much longer uh, in the uh, in the Nations League uh, uh, games for sure. But uh, moving ahead to Sunday, a little couple more juicier matchups here, I think. So some traditional powers uh, in, in teams that uh, you know you would fancy to be favorites uh, likely in next summer's uh, Euro tourney, uh, that of England against Belgium and then France against Portugal. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Barrett, but uh, a little bit more of uh, an enjoyable match or two two enjoyable matches here, uh, a little more meat on the bone between these. But uh, your thoughts on England, Belgium, and France, Portugal? Yeah, I mean, give me Belgium and Portugal for the wins here. Um, you know, England is, uh, it's a soap opera. They're dysfunctional uh, with all the infighting, which I'm going to blame squarely on Raheem Sterling. Uh, give him 100% of the credit for that. <laughs> um, and then, look, Belgium, uh, they just have top quality all over the pitch. They're just going to out-talent England, uh, not to mention they uh, function uh, much at a much higher level as a team. Uh, and then France and Portugal, look, those two are going to finish top two in that group. And the head-to-heads are going to decide it. So, um, you know, in this format, I think only the top team goes to the playoffs. So um, those games will uh, have a lot on the line. It's just really hard for me to bet on France. Uh, So give me Portugal. Yeah, that France team has kind of had some COVID issues, right? So uh, we saw that a lot of the guys from PSG and then Pogba and others uh, during the uh, the last international break right before EPL started. So it uh, will be uh, interesting to see how those guys have recovered and how much practice time they're, they're able to get in there. But uh, uh, any thoughts on this one? you got England-Belgium, kind of the consolation final from uh, the last World Cup right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts game. here. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I was watching Belgium play today against the Ivory Coast as well as the England-Wales game. And I don't know if – I mean, I guess they were playing some new guys out there. They were trying to get, you know, their feet wet and all that. But, I mean, from a perspective of, like, physicality, they were just getting muscled around by the Ivory Coast. I mean, they were hitting them pretty hard. And it looks like they, you know, decided to crumble here and there. But I don't know. You know, Belgium with, you know, with the quality that they do have, it's going to be – it's still going to be a tough game against England. Um, I know they had some new guys coming in as well. But, I mean, they're – Belgium have won their last two games coming up into this, right? Their UEFA uh, Champions League games. Um, so I do have Belgium winning this game, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be like a 2-2 or maybe a 2-3 game, possibly. And then France-Portugal. I mean, you forget that uh, France beat down uh, Ukraine 7-1 not too long ago. I think that was yesterday. And Portugal... You should have seen who they left on their bench. Um, as far as, um, you know, the talent that they do have with Ruben Diaz, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandez, Diego Jota, and Jao Felix, those guys didn't even play. 
they were just sitting on the bench. And, you know, obviously the Spain-Portugal game ended 0-0. But I, I think this might be more of a marquee matchup. I don't know if Portugal is going to win this one. I know, you know, France has got, you know, their issues with the COVID, but they have enough talent to field another national team. So I think it's going to be a pretty con- highly contested game. Uh, give me a 2-2 draw. Okay. Uh, I'll take Belgium, and I'd lean towards France uh, in those two matchups as well. But, yeah, Sunday is definitely the premier day uh, from a uh, UEFA Nations League uh, standpoint. But we'll we'll skip ahead and talk about one game on Wednesday just because you have some traditional powers there, kind of the last day of the international break. But uh, uh, Italy will host uh, the Netherlands. And so, you know, good, two good teams, two traditional powers there from, from a European standpoint. And England will play Denmark uh, on that day as well, kind of their last game. Uh, from this uh, this two game break uh, on the on the Nations League uh, uh, go about, but uh, uh, your thoughts on Italy and Netherlands in particular, uh, Barrett? Who do you like in that one? You know that group I think is probably the most wide open group in the Nations League, at least in that top tier. <clears throat> but I think the Dutch have the most talent, and I'll pick them to squeak by. You know, it, not only in this game but in the group as well. But I think this is going to be uh, out of the group winners. I think they'll probably have the lowest point total because there is so much quality in this group. Yeah, yeah, a lot of balance there. But uh, your your thoughts on, on the, those two games on Wednesday, Clayton? England, Denmark, I expect England to win that game. Um, nothing really standing out for Denmark as far as their last line, lineup that'll give England a scare, really. Um, yeah, Chris, just, Christian Eriksen, I think, is yeah, one of the I, players. Yeah, I saw, I saw, him, in, yeah, I saw him in there, him. but, yeah, I mean, yeah. eh, you know. Uh, for Italy, um, you know, I just don't know much about their squad, to be honest. Um I was looking kind of at their matchup last time. I think Italy won uh, 1-0, and that was actually a pretty fairly contested game as well based on, you know, all the possession, shots, passes. The Netherlands did lose to Mexico yesterday, uh, 1-0, and a little friendly. But, again, I don't think they were putting out their full squad. So, anyways. Viva viva la Mexico. Uh, I'm going to go with Italy in this game, maybe a 2-1 game this time. Um, just based on the last result was which was a one one nil win for Italy. So yeah, I mean the, the Italians are they're they're well organized. They're hard to break down. So I, I kind of lean towards a one one draw perhaps in that one. But uh, uh, you know a lot of young exciting Dutch players uh, to kind of follow there uh, on the on the swing up. You know the Netherlands had a little bit of a a, a fall off there. You think about uh, didn't even qualify for the World Cup. I think the last go around. And so uh, you kind of start to see those younger guys uh, coming up through the system again. And so I, I think they're on the the way back up. But that Italian side is uh, is full of youth and uh, will be fun to watch as well. So I, I think that game on Wednesday. It'll be fun uh, to uh, to see what happens there. But, well, guys, you know, obviously we don't have any EPL games to pick this weekend, and so we can recap the uh, picks from last week, and, and I'm um, uh, dismay- dismayed to say that uh, Barrett – uh, was the uh, was the fantasy pick winner from from match week four? And again, I think I don't think we picked anybody in match week one because we were doing our preseason uh, preview for that one, kind of the week before the Premier League started. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, we're all we've all won one week now. So I think Clayton won the first week, I won last week, and then Barrett wins this week. So we're all all square on that front. But uh, but Barrett wins pretty handily. Uh, Clayton had a couple guys go over that didn't play, so that that never uh, hurts your or that always hurts your chances. But uh, uh, started with Alex McCarthy, McCarthy in goal. Uh, Big a big performance for him for Southampton, um, and then you had the guys up front, right? You you had you had Son for uh, Spurs. Uh, he, he we talked about that earlier. He they ripped apart United. 
uh, Hamas Rodriguez and uh, up front as well. And so, so good picks there. We all had Yuri uh, Tillemans for, for Lester. And again, uh, didn't turn out so hot for Lester, although he put up some decent fantasy stats, at least in our league and how we uh, uh, track numbers. But uh, uh, kudos to you, Barrett. So we're all, we've all got one win under our belt from a fantasy perspective uh, here in our league. And then from a predictor standpoint we've been playing on that to NBC Sports predictor uh, game as well uh, the app that you have I mean Barrett's kicking her ass on that one so I've yeah. uh, got a couple a couple of games uh, spot on and so you you extended your lead there Barrett uh, I think 48 points and then uh, Clayton and I are tied for second at 28 points but uh, again uh, for our listeners out there you want to get involved in that and kind of join the our, the Yankee Winkers uh, league uh, on uh, on the NBC predictor game we need somebody to uh, to slap Barrett around because he's starting to run away with this thing so yeah I'm, uh, I'm getting a bit bored with it um yeah, you know i've yeah. won each week so far uh and then that overall total 48 to 28 to 28 uh, it's pretty embarrassing for you guys yeah you know, we we've got, we uh, clayton and i can't <laughs> yeah, do anything thanks. about it it looks like at this point so we need somebody else to come in and help us out so uh, yeah hit us up on twitter uh, on that front if uh, you want access to uh, to the yankee wankers league on, on the predictor because uh, a barrett's starting to run away with it but you know, so the main topic that we have this week, guys, and kind of rounding out the pod here, um, is that we talked about some superlatives, right? So what's been most surprising? Who's been the best player? Who's been the worst player? Who's been the best manager? Who's been the worst? Uh, through the first four weeks of the season, right here before this first international break. And again, have to take it with a giant grain of salt, right? You know, we're 10% through the uh, through the way through the season. There's still 34 uh, match weeks left to go, but... Some surprising things that we've seen through the first month of play um, that that you know we certainly didn't see coming, and I don't think most EPL fans, uh, those that that really follow the league closely, uh, saw coming uh, as well. But uh, let's start with the most surprising squad. And Barrett, given that uh, you're you're the leader in the clubhouse and you won the pick'em this past week, we'll start with you. But who who's maybe your most surprising team through the first uh, month of, of play? Uh, for me, it's Aston Villa. I think uh, I picked Aston Villa, I believe, to finish uh, just outside of relegation this year. You know, they, they've, they've made some signings. They brought in some talent. And, uh, you know, they've, they've started the season out perfect. So, uh, yeah, Everton's top of the table, but uh, only because Aston Villa hasn't had that fourth game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Aston Villa was my pick. I was dead wrong. I think I had them being one of the teams to get relegated. And so I'm, I'm dead wrong. Can't say it any better than you said it. But who, who's your most surprising team uh, through the first four weeks, Clayton? We just touched on it, and it was it's Everton for me personally, <laughs> right? So yeah, I mean you know the the combination that they do have in the midfield, along with you know Hamas Rodriguez um, and their defensive you know tactics and how well they do and perform at those. Um, I mean, yeah, I was just surprised overall. And then we you know we talked about it a couple weeks ago that they were actually loaning players out at this point. So I thought that was quite impressive. So yeah. Liverpool or not Liverpool, but Everton's my most surprising team. Yeah, that was one of the one of the uh, Theo Walcott. I think was one of the guys that went out uh, on deadline day uh, for them back to Southampton, I believe. So uh, yeah, they've they've been really good. Again, we we talked about them a lot earlier in the pod. Uh, top of the table, hard to, hard to argue with the results. Well, uh, most disappointing team. Uh, and I think we know who the pick's going to be for uh, Clayton and I. But let's start with you, Barrett. Who's your most disappointing team through the first four weeks of play? Well, I was tempted to pick. Uh you know, Man United, but I knew you guys would cover that. So I went a different route. I picked Sheffield. I went back and looked at our preseason pod. Uh, the three of us had Sheffield picked 14th, 13th, and 10th. Um, and they're sitting there uh, with no points and one goal through four games. Um, so definitely a letdown after what they did last year. No, that's fair. You know, Chris Wilder, again, they overachieved. Uh, and we, we knew that they overachieved, but you wouldn't thought – we didn't – no one expected the fall uh, from grace to be so sharp and so quickly, right? And they, they've just looked awful – 
uh, through the first four games. But, you know, speaking of teams that have looked awful through the first three games, I guess, um, maybe that's our only saving grace. We haven't had to endure four games uh, yet, Clayton. But uh, your, your pick for most disappointing. And that's obvious. Manchester United, I mean, just watch the games and you'll you'll see that we we don't have an identity. We have no defense. We can't score. Well, we can score, but we also need the help of VAR as well. So, I mean, it's just Penalties. <laughs> yeah, just really just disappointing overall uh, by United and by United Sanders. Yep. Uh, can't uh, can't say it any better myself. So United's my pick. Uh, they've been awful. Uh, something has to change, and we'll see what happens after the break. But uh, let's go best player, guys. Barrett, you you and Clayton are on the same page here, man, but your you're, you're pick for best player through the first four weeks. Yeah, with uh, all due respect to uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, you know, James Rodriguez, uh, Jamie Vardy, and others, I'm going with Harry Kane. Uh, three goals and six assists uh, through four games. He's playing a very well-rounded game, right? He's not just up there knocking the ball in the net. He's doing other things to help Spurs win. And, and the perfect example uh, was, uh, I think it was the game against, uh, was it City? I don't think they, no, they haven't City played City. I, it was match week three. I, I, I'm drawing a blank on who they played, but he dropped back uh, a little bit deeper, and he was just firing through balls to Son. I think he had uh, four assists tonight. That was the, yeah, that was the yeah, game that Son yeah. had four goals, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, he's adjusting his game and doing the things needed to help the team win. Yep, uh, I agree. Great. He's been great. So, Clayton, uh, anything to add to that? He's your pick too, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as he keeps feeding it to Son on my fantasy team, that's <laughs> fine with me. Uh, no, I, yeah, like I said, well, he's also, you know, taking that extra role, right? Like you said, you know, dropping off, getting the ball, playing in Son, playing in whoever. You know, he's taking more of the leadership role and, you know, it's kind of setting the tone for Tottenham. And, I mean, it's reflected in his play for Tottenham and for Harry Kane as well, so. Nope. Well, I picked one of those other players that, that you touched upon there, Barrett. And I, I went with Hamas Rodriguez, right? I, I think he's been uh, so good so quickly, again, so early for Everton. And it's kind of been a, a gelling factor, if you will, uh, whether he's playing in that 10 hole or 10 roll uh, there behind Calvert Lewin or, or maybe out wide right. Uh, I've seen him kind of play in both positions for Everton through the first few games. But. He's been better than advertised, man. And we knew that he was a world-class player, right? We've seen it, you know, the flashes there at Real Madrid and then on loan at Bayern Munich. Uh, but, you know, there was always a little bit of, well, you know, does he still have it, right, uh, coming to the EPL? And, man, he's still got it. He's been great. So uh, I've been very impressed. Uh, and he, he's my pick uh, for best player through the first four games. But let's let's stay with the the good end of things, guys, and let's go with best manager. Uh, your, your pick for best manager through the first uh, month of play, uh, Barrett? Give me Dean Smith. I mean, uh, most surprising team, Aston Villa. So uh, let's let's give Dean Smith the credit for that. Um, he gets Jack Grealish uh, re-signed. He brings in Ollie Watkins, who's uh, you know been fantastic thus far. You know, brings in uh, Ross Barkley, and, and those guys are, are are playing at a at an incredible level. Um, I got to go, Dean Smith. Yeah, my, he's my pick as well, I, and I was dead wrong. I think Dean Smith. I picked him to get relegated, and he was one of my picks for maybe the first manager to get sacked. I was totally wrong. Uh, I missed it, missed it uh, big time. They've been great. Again, they've only played three games. Otherwise, you know, like I said, they may be top of the table or tied with uh, Everton on 12 points. We're not sure. Uh, but they, they've looked really, really good. And so kudos to Dean Smith. Uh, just narrowly avoided the drop last year, and uh, they seem to have uh, uh, gotten better over the summer. So so he's done a great job there. But uh, your, your pick for best manager, Clayton. I have Bielsa. I was just super impressed with Leeds. I mean, you guys are talking about him, like, you know, talking him up at the beginning of, you know, our podcast, right? I was like, oh, what are these guys talking about? Like, I've never, you know, I've never seen him play, and I didn't really know who Bielsa was, and up until you know, I started watching some more documentaries about him. I was like, okay, this guy's this guy's legit. But you know, with 
the most of the same players that he had in the championship. He's still competitive with you know Liverpool, uh, with Man City, and, and you know that's really impressive to you know keep up with those guys with the same talent, most of the same talent that you had in the championship. So I thought that was cool, um, and I thought that was a great you know coaching job to you know get get your players up and you know compete with the big boys. No, I, I think if things continue on this track, Clayton, uh, and Leeds continues on this path, he'll he'll probably win Manager of the Year when it's all said and done oh, yeah. uh, come come May. But uh, yeah, great great pick there. But yep. uh, let let's go to the ugly end of the spectrum now, boys, and let's talk about worst player. And so Barrett, again, we'll give you the honors here. Uh, but who's been your worst player through the first month? That guy guy that stood out to you, who's just really disappointed thus far. Man, I, I really struggled in making a pick here. Um, Maybe it's not fair to this guy. He's only played one game, um, but I'm going to go with Eric Garcia at Man City. Uh, he, you know, he didn't get the nod in the opening game for them, uh, but he gets uh, the nod in match week three there, and he is responsible for three of those Leicester goals in that 5-2 defeat. Plus, he wears that stupid hat. Yeah. And, you know, after that performance, Man City goes out and buys Ruben Diaz, uh, and he hasn't seen the pitch again since, so... Uh, for whatever reason, they couldn't offload him to Barcelona. For for some reason, they were holding out for more money or something. Um, but he's obviously fourth or fifth choice at center back at this point. Yeah, he was so bad that one performance that they had to go out and spend fifty million dollars. Right, so uh, something to be said for that. Uh, but Clayton, uh, you and I were going to pick from the same team here, bud. Right. But uh, probably no surprise to our listeners. But you're your most disappointing or worst player through the first month of play. Yeah, it's got to be Paul Pogba. Um, just overall, probably the worst. You know, lack creativity up front. You know, terrible in possession, um, just just lazy overall, just very uninspiring. I mean, he he just hasn't created anything that we wanted offensively. Um, you know, they were always talking about you know the Bruno Fernandez, Paul Pogba show. You know, linking up together, we just haven't seen that. I mean, we just really haven't seen that. I mean, we saw it, saw glimpses of it. You know, when we were coming back from the restart, where you know United was rolling. But we just haven't seen that at all so far this season. So Paul Paul Pogba, the worst player. Yeah, and and guys, I, this is kind of a cop out for me, but I couldn't settle on which of the back four from Manchester <laughs> United uh, to pick from, and so I just said the United back four. Uh, right, e- each game, one of those guys have been has been completely awful. Whether it's uh, Victor Lindelof, whether it's Harry Maguire, whether it's Luke Shaw, whether it's uh, Aaron Juan Basaka, um, you know, it's it's rotated through, right? And so, you know, Bailly played this past weekend uh, in, in, instead of uh, Lindelof, and, and he wasn't great. I don't think he was the worst of the back four uh, against uh, Spurs on Sunday, but they've been awful. Uh, and, and if you, you know, gun to my head, I'd probably say Harry Maguire uh, would be the one that I would pick just because he's supposed to be the man, right, right. captain of the right. club that spent 80 million pounds on him uh, last year. Uh, and, and the fact that he was he was pretty good last year, right? He's very steady, played every every game uh, from an EPL standpoint and was kind of the, uh, um, you know, the, the thread that kept it all together back there, but he's He's been awful uh, through the first three games. But, uh, uh, again, I, I'm going to take the whole United back four. <laughs> so they, they throw them all in there. They've all been awful. But uh, worst manager, it's been unanimous. Uh, and so, uh, Barrett, I'll give you honors to talk about it. Uh, but uh, no no shock here, right? So who, who's your worst manager? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to join you guys in going with Ole. You know, with all due respect to Sean Dyche, um, you know, I picked him preseason to be the first manager sacked. And, uh, you know, he's well on his way. But I think Ole may uh, pip him to the post here. Look, Ole's days are numbered. Uh, I read a story today coming out uh, about uh, United uh, signing none of Ole's targets uh, in this transfer window. Um, you know, he wanted Sancho, uh, you know, and every every target he put forward to the board, they struck out on all of them. Yeah, and, and you have to wonder, is that intentional? 
uh, because they don't see him being there long term, or, or or what? What is the uh, the disconnect there? Uh, but there there definitely is a disconnect. So I, I agree. And again, it, there's been reports that United is already flirting with uh, uh, Pochettino's uh, management team as well. And so uh, it's probably a matter of when and not if. But uh, Clayton, uh, any anything to add to that? Oh, again, unanimous. We all picked over. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> <Just> moving on. <laughs> Just and again, moving on. Uh, a guy who who's he's a, who's a, a he's a legend uh, for the club, right? You think about that goal in '99. You know, won won the treble. Uh, against uh, 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 Bayern Munich there. And so he'll he'll always have a place in United lore and United history. And so kind of heartbreaking to see him. Um, everybody was rooting for it, right? You wanted it to be a feel-good story whenever he replaced uh, uh, Mourinho as a caretaker. You know, the, the team really had a bounce and there was a pep in the step. And then, um, and then even in Project Restart, they came back and they looked so good. Uh, and then really, again, I think teams just started figuring them out because after plan A, there's no plan B. Uh, and that that boils down to management, and so I'm I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I, I think that's uh, uh, the path we see here. But uh, you know, let, let's talk about teams that we think are going to improve, guys. So teams that maybe haven't come out of the gate so hot, but but teams that we believe in. We've seen enough through the first four matches uh, that we see uh, a, a, a rise in their play uh, after the international break. But uh, Barrett, who's your team? Uh, give me Wolves. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, the, that they've been. Not real impressive so far, and I, they've just got too much talent uh, to play at the level they're playing at. Uh, you know, they made good signing with Nelson Semedo. I really believe in NES as the manager there, so uh, I, I think this uh, slow start uh, will turn around for those guys. Uh, Clayton, uh, you you tend to agree here, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, um, their back line I think needs to be shared up a little bit more. Um, they have been shaky. And it, and it showed against Fulham. Um, and then also being able to finish. I think they have enough quality up top to, you know, score the goals through, you know, Pedro Neto or Raul Jimenez and a couple of other guys. But, yeah, I, I think they still have room to improve for sure. Okay, well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, guys, and, and give me give me Brighton and Hove. Uh, I think what Graham Potter's, Potter's done there, and, again, I know they just got thumped by uh, Everton this past week 4-2, then obviously, you know, lost, surprised, somehow lost to Manchester United a couple of weeks ago. But I, I've seen enough from that Brighton squad to, to see and, and think that they've gotten better from last year, right? And so they're they're a team that a lot of, a lot of folks in the preseason kind of, you know, maybe – they thought they would they would make the drop this year. I think they're going to avoid the drop. I think there's enough there, uh, and, and Potter's a good enough manager to kind of get it out of them. But there's uh, so a lot of the young talent there. Tariq Lamptey, uh, I liked what I've seen through Neil Mape, um, you know, through from from an attacking standpoint. But they've they've got some good players there. Uh, uh, Dunk there in the middle, uh, kind of a steady uh, steady guy uh, at center half and the captain of the club. So so give me Brighton as my team. That I think the results haven't been there, but I've seen the play and I think they'll get better. Again, opposite end of the spectrum, the ugly side of it, guys. Uh, teams that are going to continue to maybe get worse all right maybe they come out of the gates a little hot and you think it's going to drop off or maybe it's been bad and you've seen absolutely nothing that leads you to believe it's going to get better but uh, who's your pick for for a team that'll probably go the opposite direction uh, before the next break uh, Barrett well maybe this is a bit of a cop-out but I'm going to go with Aston Villa Um, obviously uh, a fantastic start they started perfect uh, nine points out of three matches so kudos to them for that um, obviously they can't keep that pace up. You know, they're not going to compete for Europe, uh, but I think they will finish in that nine to 10 range, uh, which is going to be fantastic for them. It's still a great year. Uh, don't get me wrong, but, uh, th- they're not going to stay top, uh, or near the top of the table. Nope. That's fair. Uh, Clayton, who's your pick that's going to head in the wrong direction now? Uh, Newcastle. I think they've gotten so lucky. I mean, they haven't played anyone and they're sitting in ninth right now with seven points. 
yeah, I just there's nothing on this team that really shows me that they can, you know, make a good push anywhere. I think it's just all downhill from here as far as, you know, where they're going to end up. Uh, probably tier, near the bottom, probably about 15th, 16th, I think I had them picked. But, yeah, I, I think they're on their way down. They just gotten lucky to get seven points, and that's about it. Okay, well, give me Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace squad. And again, they come out of the gate strong, won two games, right? They beat Manchester United in week two, and they they had six points after two games. And, and Barrett, I think you kind of pegged them too, saying, eh, I think they're kind of imposters, right? So they get the results, but they're really not that good. And we've seen that in their two games subsequent, right? So they've been thumped pretty good. Uh, most recently, this past weekend, uh, Chelsea hung four on them without a, a response. And so I, I – I think that that's a team that's going to continue to struggle, right? They have Wilfred Zaha up front. He's a great player, but, you know, outside of that, uh, there's not a whole lot uh, to get excited about uh, for the Eagles there at Crystal Palace. So uh, I think I think they're going to continue to head the wrong direction. But So after a month, guys, how would you see the top four and who would be your top four teams kind of moving forward after, uh, you know, seeing these last four games this first month of, of EPL? And again, Giant grain of salt. We're overreacting a little bit here, but that's what that's what commentary does, right? So we we based upon what we've seen, and uh, uh, and so that's that's what we have to talk about. But uh, Barrett, who would be your top four now after seeing the first month of play unfold here in the EPL? Like you said, we're just four weeks in. Let's not overreact. So for me, Liverpool and City still the top two, uh, but I'm going to flip the order. I picked City in the preseason. I think Liverpool, obviously, minus the game against Aston Villa, it's looked a little bit more solid, a little bit more consistent than City. Uh, who've dropped points twice now. Rounding that out, uh, give me Everton in third. And I'll take Chelsea over Arsenal for that fourth spot. I think Arsenal's looked a little bit better than Chelsea thus far, but uh, Chelsea's best player hasn't played yet. So uh, I think in the long run, as those guys continue to gel and uh, Pulisic comes back, uh, I think Chelsea is going to wind up in that top four. Yeah, I, hard to argue with that. Uh, Clayton, you, you kind of have a little some similarities here with your top four, but who would be your top four after a month? Uh, kind of projecting out and moving forward. So I have Liverpool first. Obviously, they're the champs. I mean, they had, you know, obviously a hiccup against Aston Villa, but I don't think that's... a giant hiccup. (laughs) (laughs) It was a shellacking. No, um, I just they just have too much quality that's going to be coming back, and they're going to be hard to contest with as far as the championship spot. And then Everton I have in second. Yeah, it's a little bit out there. I think most, you know, it's out there. I'll, I'll agree. Um, like I said earlier, it's just, you know, a matter of, you know, guys staying healthy for them and then also defensive responsibilities. You know, there are two huge keys to success in getting um, in the top four for sure. And then Chelsea, um, obviously they, they they have players that need to come back, obviously with Pulisic's, uh, Pulisic and um, what's his name? Uh, Zayich. Zayich. Yeah, yeah, on Zayich. The right. yep, yep. Um, yeah, I think they can, you know, get into the, the top four as well. Um, they just have – I don't think they've played – you know, their full, complete game, especially with those guys being out. It might take him a couple – I would give him four to five games. I'm just kidding. I would give him probably two to three games to get all that sorted out and then, you know, get rolling. Then Tottenham, I think, might sneak in there as well. As bad as Manchester United is playing, uh, like I said in the beginning of, you know, our podcast series, I don't see Arsenal, you know, know, cracking the top four at all. So um, I think – Tottenham might sneak in there if, if they can hold, you know, complete performances together. Um, I think they can get into the top four. 
Wow. Okay. So uh, Spurs sneaking in there in the top four again. They've 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 looked good uh, ever since that opening uh, uh, loss to uh, um, uh, Everton uh, on opening day one nil. But uh, I have some similar teams in here, guys. And so give me Liverpool again. They're, they're I haven't seen anything to dissuade me from thinking that they're still not the class of the league right now. Um, I, I would probably go from an, if we're going in order here. I would go Everton number two. Right. I, I like what I've seen. Again, it's all going to boil down. Can they stay healthy? It kind of reminds me of that Leicester City club a few years ago. Right. They just they avoided all injuries, right? And they had the same rotation, the same eleven guys that started week in and week out. And so, if Everton can uh, can do that, uh, the results, man, uh, it, it's hard to argue with it. And so, I, I could see them uh, kind of moving forward and, and making that top four. You know, give me Manchester City again, just uh, based on pedigree, right? Uh, I know they haven't come out of the gate super strong, and they're they're one game behind uh, most other clubs right now. But uh, I would anticipate they would have won that game, and their standings uh, would probably be a little higher up the table as it currently sets right now. And then you guys have knocked on them a little bit, and understandably so, but um, I like what I've seen from Mikel Arteta. Uh, and, and so I think they go out and get Partey. Again, they address a need um, that uh, it was kind of surprising that they were able to do so and spend the money there. But uh, give me Arsenal as maybe that fourth team that just squeaks in and kind of pips Chelsea and Spurs, uh, who would obviously I would have five and six right now. I'm not picking United uh, after what we've seen. But, uh, uh, but give me Arsenal as kind of squeaking into maybe that top four spot. But it's unanimous – uh, for us at the opposite end of the table after the uh, the first month, guys. But uh, uh, in, in no no particular order, Fulham, West Brom, and Burnley, right? And we're all in agreement there, surprisingly. Uh, I think we all think Sheffield United might get it fixed, right? Uh, Wilder will we'll get it turned around and get them out uh, of, the, of the bottom three there. But uh, any parting comments on these three teams that you've picked uh, to finish uh, in the bottom and uh, make the drop, Barrett? Well, don't overestimate my confidence in Sheffield. I, I literally flipped a coin between them and West Brom uh, for – for that uh, 18th spot. So uh, I, I think uh, relegation is definitely in play for Chris, Chris Wilder and the boys. Okay. Uh, Clayton, any parting thoughts on your bottom three here? Again, we're unanimous. We all got the same three. Yeah. I mean, Fulham, it's just, you know, I don't want to see him go down because they, uh, we do have two American players over there with Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. But yeah, um, try harder next year, I guess. Yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Scotty Parker. I hope they get it turned around, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't, I don't see a good ending uh, for them uh, as we've, uh, from what we've seen through the first four weeks. But maybe, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll escape it on the last day. But, well, guys, again, kind of, kind of sad that uh, we have no EPL games to look forward to this weekend. But we'll be watching the uh, UEFA Nations League game and the World Cup qualifiers for the for the international games, and you know, praying and hoping that, uh, that everybody comes back healthy, no COVID outbreaks, and no more shenanigans like a uh, Greenwood and Foden uh, that, that the guys keep their nose is clean and stay out of trouble but you know i think that just about does it for this pod though so we're a little long here so we're up on the hour and 15 minute mark here but a lot of talk about going into the international break uh, a lot of manchester united bashing so we, we ran a few minutes over here but uh, for our listeners guys uh, you can follow them on twitter barrett we can follow you where on twitter uh, at hartman underscore lfc okay and clayton uh, you're still the same right mccluskey 101 yes sir all right. Well, again, guys, I appreciate you being here in studio with me. Uh, we're going to do it again next week. Again, we'll look ahead and preview match week five games, although there won't be any uh, uh, recap uh, uh, given the international break. And and so we'll, we'll do it again next week, and it should be it should be a lot of fun per the usual. But while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, you know, the conversation doesn't end here. Uh, to keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, R-O-S-E. Enjoy the matches this weekend, the international matches, that is. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers.